Welcome back again, Third World Ballers. Summertime in the city. Yeah. Summertime is the time. Is that a real song? Yeah, it's actually it's Kuko, actually. Kuko, huh? Kuko, because I'm Kuko for Your Kuko little, Puffs. What? You're a little fucking Kuko, dude. What's up, bro? How have you been? I've been good, just trying to stay out of the heat. Ugh. Um it is ugly out there and very <clears throat> viscous. Just like the atmosphere out here is so like thick, you know? Desert heat kind of, but uh, I would take that much over like a muggy, sort of sweaty, uh, humid, humid, yeah, humidity. Because LA, I remember, usually has that kind of heat, and I'm not down with that. It honestly, ha- it honestly has a uh, not been that hot over here. It's been pretty nice, real like nice, win- like windy and stuff. No, like I mean it's cool. hot. I mean it's hot, but it hasn't been unbearably hot. Like I'm sitting in my room right now, and I'm not fucking in a pool of my own sweat. Per usual, but it's maintainable. Yeah, and I just run hot, so I'm always just fucking like a little heater, dude. You're so hot. That's I am so is. hot, dude. You packing heaters under those armpits? Mmm, packing heaters indeed, dude. Well, we got a little catching up to do this week, don't we? Yes, we've been talking so much about it in the DMs. First, let me uh, go ahead and divert this topic episode and let the listeners know about a wonderful place down here in Southern California. I don't think a lot of people have actually heard of it. Um, it's, it's a really wonderful place. It's called, uh, uh, I forget the name. Uh, oh, I, I remember Disneyland. I went to Disneyland a couple weeks ago and it was it's a, a wonderful, place. wonderful life to be here. Welcome to the Disneyland. Welcome, uh, welcome, welcome, kids. Come into my hand. That's uh, not a song that's played there, sir, so don't ever disrespect the mouse, okay? Our Lord, the mouse. That is exactly what they play. I am loyal to the mouse. park in the garage. Right when you take Dr. Disney Drive, the exit. You know, as a kid, I always thought that meant Dr. Disney. And I was like, I asked my dad one time, I was like, is is he really a doctor? Like, why does it say that? And he's like, no, that's Drive. You idiot. You big dummy, you. You stupid I just want to give a shout out to Disneyland because... They put me under the spell, and I thought it was only fitting to bring up a land that put me under its spell because this week's episode is going to be on Midsummer and all things Ari Aster. And it was only fitting to bring up the mouse and the clan that is Disneyland because they have hypnotized me, dude. I'm a hooked. I've been going every weekend. It's great there. You that sounds go. awful, honestly. <laughs> That sounds like a goddamn nightmare. It's not a nightmare, dude. It's you actually a magical place. You are the guy from Escape, to, uh, Escape from Tomorrow. I've actually is, not seen that yet. So, Which actually is interesting because I just noticed there are some similarities in terms of this unspeakable uh, sort of grief and secret that you are keeping from a significant other or relationship in order to maintain appearances which leads you into the tragic sort of outcome that you will then endure throughout yeah. the entirety. So, so let's get out of the Disneyland talk and just get right into it. Uh, we're Like I said, we're here to talk Midsommar and all things Ari Aster and the tragedy that is hidden within that little soft-spoken man. Yeah, Ari Big Aster. Ari um, Big Ass Tragedy Aster. <laughs> Ari Fat Aster. <laughs> My, uh, the one good description I've heard of Midsummer that I think is like pretty apt 
uh, comes from Robert Eggers, the guy who did The Witch. Yeah. And he was saying that it's like uh, The Wizard of Oz on acid. Um, and there are some very relatable themes in that, like, they do literally take a road into this, like, fantasy sort of cultish land uh, that is supposed to be enchant- all enchanting and also harbors this intelligence, which is this, like, wizard, right? Uh, that controls everything. And in this essence, the wizard kind of plays a lot of different roles uh, in Midsummer. But I do see it as that, like, you know, uh, the, the characters, obviously, Danny and the, the three other men, Mark, Josh, and Christian, all sort of encompass the roles of the three, you know, the Tin Man, the Lion, in this case, a bear, uh, and then also the Scarecrow. And Who's they the scarecrow? Do... Well, oh. I so I was like trying to think about this, right? So Christian obviously is the the lion. Uh, he doesn't have courage, right? Because in essence, his his cur- his lack of courage prevents him from escaping the tragedy that's going to befall him uh, throughout the film and stuff. Because he is unwilling to leave from his relationship, so. Uh, I guess like we can start tying this with like how the how the film progresses and stuff. But um, so it starts off right with the uh, big mural um, that just wonderfully depicts the entire film that you're going to watch. You just don't know it yet, but you can tell when uh, after viewing it a second time, like oh, that's literally how it's going to play out. Yeah, I mean he lays it out there for like a good two minutes for you to really take it all in. Exactly, and. Uh, and then it separates, and then you just get this very cold, desolate landscape, which I thought was really interesting because it just immediately takes you into a sort of uh, air of despair, you know, because yeah. with, it, with Hereditary, especially compared to Hereditary, it's such a, like a, a rustic landscape that you're viewing, and this is just very cold and desolate. You almost get the feeling of isolation already, you yeah. know? It's the world they're living in. It's their world of emotions that Danny's trapped in. She's literally in a cold, dark place in her life right now. And And that's what it starts with, right? Right. Her in in her apartment by herself, going over these messages from her sister, who's having this sort of uh, bipolar reaction or uh, breakdown, in which she is uh, depicting very dark thoughts, She's not exactly sure if uh, she's going to be, you know, to attempt suicide, but she's very concerned. So she calls her boyfriend, uh, who happens to be sitting at a pub with a couple of his friends. And um, I think I love the way that like that friendship works because the the, the dynamic that because I've been in that situation where you're with this person that you are completely different around your friends with because they make you feel like you have to react in a certain way yeah and your friends make fun of you for it or your friends like call you out for that you know and it's like you it it almost feels like like what um so i always give is josh the the white guy or is he the the black gentleman (laughs) he is the black gentleman Caesar. okay so yeah so mark okay so mark's (laughs) the like classic (laughs) <laughs> dumbass sort of horny guy right yeah um and josh is the uh astute sort of sort of intellectual um 
And I think maybe that's why. So Josh is definitely the Tin Man because he kind of lacks the heart to empathize with any of the situation because See, he's I... there. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish for your thought. Oh, I was just going to say he's the Tin Man because he, can, he can't empathize really with uh, what happens in the situation that unfolds. Um, and then also Mark is more of the scarecrow because he lacks a brain and he definitely depicts this very comic sort of character that's just worries about one thing only and that is getting some. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I thought that Josh was more of the scarecrow because he, the whole lack of the brain, he's trying to, he's on this quest for knowledge, which ultimately led them over to the festival and Josh, well, wait, Josh, yeah, Josh was be the scarecrow. And, and you thought Mark the Tin Man? Yeah, because he lacks a heart, so therefore he's just this like horny young dude who doesn't really totally. think with any compassion, and it's just kind of like, like to the point of no compassion. He literally pisses on the graves and the yeah, yeah. memorial site of the lo- the lost uh, relatives of the festival. Hogard, I think, is the name of. They're the definitely interchangeable. Yeah, yeah, I like, think that they're all interchangeable between one another. So. Exactly, but I mean, there is like a really sort of. <clears throat> I think identifiable layer that you can view with each of them that carries those aspects yeah. from Wizard of Oz, right? And then, so and then so, and then uh, the Swedish guy is what Toto. <laughs> I think the, the Swedish guy is the <laughs> wizard, kind of. Or he could be, he or he could be Gwendola, the witch of the West or the East, whichever I'm, one. True, he could be either. I I don't know. I feel like he's more elusive. I think it's a what was her name? The, I think he was, more, but case. I think he's more so the. The witch, not the witch, but the good witch, rather, um, because she kind of leads Danny. He leads Danny into the uh, journey. That is true. And kind of coerces her into going to the land okay. of Oz, Hogard, in this example. Yes, yes. So, okay, that makes more sense then. Yeah, I think he's definitely more so that archetype okay. of a character. Okay, so we'll go with that then. So we meet these these characters, the yeah. male, uh, you know, counterparts. And basically, Danny is calling him. Uh, he seems very annoyed with the fact that he has to deal with her during this phone conversation, which immediately just like sets off my alarms of like, God, there's, it's just this awkward tension of like trying to maintain with your friends that like, Oh, everything's okay. But then on the other side of this conversation, you're just getting this, you know, like, uh, not necessarily a mouthful, but just like it's hard to empathize in that situation when you lack uh, the control to like, of course, for men, I think in this case, is like sort of dominate what is going on, especially in that situation, uh, which is why sort of Mark reacts in a way where he's like, oh, she's abusing you by calling you this much and expecting too much of you as lack of a, compassion as a partner. And it's like, dude, you're a partner. Like that's that's what the whole point of having a girlfriend and partner is. Yeah, like there is a yeah. sense of like a codependency that needs to be had between relationships. I mean, to an extent, yes. you know. Of course, and you could see why maybe she, you know, because you start figuring out like, well, Josh has been through this sort of situation with her sister, so he doesn't overreact. There's no need for him to react. Yeah. To him, it's like business as usual, right? Um, which makes that next part of just like when he gets that second phone call is just so jarring. Well, what, uh, before we even jump to that, I, what I liked about that whole scene of the conversations with uh, the three uh, guys of the film, four or rather, they literally all tell jo- uh, Christian his fate. Like, 
So even more further to the point of like Ari Aster laying everything before you in the beginning with the main scene of the painting, you know, like mm-hmm. the dialogue between all of them lays out the fucking hole that J- Christian digs himself in. He's like, yes, you can go to Sweden and have sex with all the sweet, like impregnate all the Swedish girls. Uh, Josh says like, well, maybe you can start working on your thesis out there too. And then I think uh, uh, Pele, I believe, even says that like, or was it Josh that like they're all like he's att- he's projecting, I guess, like these uh, characteristics of his relationship on them or something like that. I don't know. Like, I forget what Pele. Which I was says getting exactly. as well from that. Like, so I forget who said it, but that like he was projecting the characteristics of their relationship onto them. Mm-hmm. Um, as the as their friends, but mm. I don't know. I couldn't. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, forget that. What what were you saying? Um, yeah, I just really liked that dialogue that they all had, and kind of showed Christian his fate even before it took place. And he's just mm-hmm. so caught up in his own bullshit that he just ignores exactly what they're telling, or doesn't even really identify what he tells them as it begins to happen. Over, he's just kind of like dumbfounded in this like whimsical world that they're stuck in and shit's just befalling them they're all just kind of mm-hmm. ignoring and kind of just playing just dumb and not really realizing shit's fucking hitting the fan but that's later in the film but totally um, but no i mean that is set it definitely sets, it sets it the tone for them what's to come because and he, especially especially because they tell him to break up with her so it's like you expect maybe that to take place because he seems like that's what he wants to do yeah um and it's just and that, I love uh, Ari Aster. He's just such a big fan of like letting you know the whole movie before it even takes place and just like painting these characters who just refuse to see the signs of the trauma that they're getting led into. Like with Hereditary, for example, and we were talking about the whole uh, Heracles example. And when we first saw the film in Hereditary, we thought Peter was the Heracles character ignoring the signs. But then we kind of discussed it a little more. And uh, Annie is Annie, it's Annie's her name, right? The main character? Yeah. Yeah, she's actually that archetype because she's, like I said, like the main example, she literally wears Pyman's fucking uh, symbol around her neck and doesn't realize her mom is the one that's causing this tragedy to befall her family. And Mm -hmm. even further back with the strange truth about the Johnsons, I mean, the dad like walks in on his son masturbating. And for the listeners who don't know, the strange truth about the Johnsons is Ari Aster's- Something strange about the Johnsons. Something strange about the Johnsons. Yeah. um, Is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah, anyways, yeah. If you just look up the truth about the Johnsons, that'll be the first thing that pops up. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, even the dad in that film, like, when he walks in on his son masturbating, he doesn't, I don't want to spoil it, but he doesn't see what his son was actually masturbating to or even kind of, like, went further than that. And then that ultimately leads to tragedy in that film, too. So mm-hmm. I just really admire just Ari Aster's technical form of screenwriting. You know, it's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, there are so... so- Going back to uh, Midsummer, that's what I mean. Again, like everything hinges on this sort of traumatic episode uh, that either allows for people to share in the grief, like it is in Hereditary and sort of the short film Strange Thing About the Johnsons. But what's interesting about Midsummer is that the grief is very isolated to a singular person. And thus, she projects that grief onto people right. rather than them share in it and try and like console each other or heal in a way, um, even though in the other films that doesn't work out to their advantage. But in this one, it, it makes it so interesting because when he gets, when uh, Christian gets this phone call, 
right after they tell him to break up with her is she's just screeching Screaming, at, yeah. at the top of her lungs, which takes it back to, you know, Tony Collette yeah, and hereditary. hereditary, just like that weighted push in um, onto this person as she's agonizing, yeah. in, you know, Christian's arms, realizing that her sister freaking killed her parents and did it in a really crude sort of archaic way which was i i really like that so let's talk about that whole scene of just like cutting to her screaming yeah, and then cutting to them the firefighters breaking into the house and it so fucking was dark wild because the, i wasn't expecting like you see the car or you see the car and then i was like okay so obviously you yeah. know it's the whole gassing of oneself but the fact that it's th- this trail that the firemen have to lead all the way to these to their to their bedrooms and yeah. there's just hoses strapped to their faces and it well was it was only like, to her face that they was strapped to oh they, they had masks right? it was like she just masks. she just duct taped uh their room shut and put a hose in it and oh, let it oh, seep okay, right okay. into that's it that's right that's right and her she's, they cut to her well they pan to her and she's uh just sitting in front of the laptop <laughs> with the mm-hmm. fucking duct tape all over her face there we go that's what it was I, I wanted to know, I meant to look up who does Ari's uh uh like gore effects and like horror murder effects too because they're just so fucking grisly and just so production design you mean yeah the wall yeah like the production design who does his because in hereditary when you see um charlie's face like off her head dude just the expressions that they put on the character like the expressions of death that are on each of his characters in those films it's just fucking it's amazing it's so realistic for a gore film and usually it it gets a little Mm -hmm. corny with some gore but i mean gore is even the like least amicable like great thing about uh his films like it's just another addition to his just amazing work and i don't even really like pay attention to the gore but when because he doesn't really give you much of it in either of those films but when he does oh baby it comes so startlingly too. Yes, that's what like, it is. I think the way he delivers sudden. it. Yeah, the way he delivers the images of gore, <clears throat> it's pretty amazing. But if we're gonna keep going, or we'll get to the other gore parts. Uh, oh yeah. In a sec. Um. So after that phone call takes place, right? It's you know the sort of agonized embrace, um, and there you know uh, Danny is crying. Because uh, her parents are now dead, and so it's like basically her whole family right. was just killed in one tragic incident, uh, and she sort of feels responsible because she was getting these messages, but she couldn't get through to her sister in time to you know sort of save them in a sense. Yeah. Um, and it after that moment, it hinges on that specific trauma of not being able to get there in time or not being able to say the right thing in order to save someone or protect someone. Uh, And from there, you get deeper into the relationship of Danny and Christian. Uh, I don't know if it was years after or a couple months after, but uh, maybe a year after or so that the the time switch takes place. But uh, I don't think it was that long maybe a couple months then or I a few months it, i think it was like maybe a month because they're month, talking really? they're talking about the sweden they're talking about sweden in the beginning of the movie the which is in the summer and they were in her sister well it's 
Yeah, so it would probably be like a month. I, yeah, I guess like a month or two because it would be okay. Midsommar, yeah. So either way, they, basically they're still together after this time period. Christian yeah. hasn't uh, broken up with her like he kind of made up his mind to do. Uh, and you could tell that it's hinging on that specific uh, grief that he now has to go through with Danny because he feels compelled to do it in the sense to obligate that that duty of a of a partner of a you know someone who is in a relationship and you know who can offer that sort of assistance. And I just don't, and I think for his own selfish reasons, he just doesn't want to be. He doesn't want it to weigh up. He doesn't want to be the bad guy and have that weigh on his conscience and leave her in a time of need. Even though, like, you know, in some instances that is good and it is actually the better thing for both people, but with Mm -hmm. Christian's intentions, he literally is probably just doing it just to, like, again, not be the bad guy. To salvage his own fucking guilt. Exactly, exactly. That's a break. And his own morality, basically. Yes. Um, And so they go to a party together. Uh, she's with the other gentleman that we met uh, earlier and they start talking about this trip that they're going to take. He has literally already planned to go on it without telling her, which I thought was like a really good way of like, just like uh, emulating these heightening, these very awkward situations that couples go through all the time. Like a lack of communications. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, Oh man. So cringy. Yes. Because you you know that. You know You've that look. You know that like tone that's just like, oh, I didn't know you were you were gonna do that. Like, when did you plan that? Yeah. When did you decide that? And then he just and, tries to like play the role. He's like, Oh, uh, I don't know. We just planned it. I, I it's not for sure. Like, I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And um I've heard some people say like uh I was reading a couple of reviews of it uh, of the film and like was listening to some critiques and people were saying that you know, Christian's only fault was that he didn't break up with Danny. And to me, it's like, well, he has a lot more flaws than that. Like, his whole idea of going on this trip was so that he could, like, fuck other girls on the trip. Like, that's what keeps getting reiterated to him. Why would he keep it a secret from his partner if not to do that specific act, you know? Right. So she wouldn't know about it, right? So it's like he's obviously not a good guy. No, no, uh, which we find out even for comes, later when in the you film. look at it, and even the way that he offers his compassion, it's just not there. So I mean, it seems he like did, he's doing it just to like get her through the grief with, and he still has every yes. intention of leaving her. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he has any by going on the trip with Danny. He has no intention of working to salvage the relationship. He's kind of just doing it again to just not be the bad guy and make her feel include like it, to make her feel involved and even so even so like when we find out that danny is gonna go on the trip he's talking to the guys he's like hey uh like yeah. don't let him know that i don't let her know that i told you uh i invited her she's probably not gonna come but I invited he is her. hinging on that yeah like, that- like that's such a dick move like he he invites her not because he wants to be with her and help console her in this what could potentially be a great journey and fun trip he just was literally doing it because he was fucking called out and and he didn't know what else to do and he's just such a fucking shitty ass like i hate to use it like this but a shitty ass male dude like no totally i mean very shady so shady um very just like manipulative about the situation especially using her own grief to kind of guilt her into not letting him go on this solo trip, you know, and, like, yeah. uh, coming back to, like, 
So, uh, yeah, so they go over this whole situation. He's expecting her not to go. She obviously goes. <laughs> she has that conversation with Pe- uh Is his name Pele? I it's, guess, uh, right? it, it is Pele. Pele, yeah. Pele. Pele. It's Pele. Uh, yeah. And he kind of convinces her to come, uh, to go on this trip because it, it, would, it, it could do her some good. He even offers some hints that he knows kind of what she's going through uh, in terms of her grief with her parents' right. tragic death. Uh, and I love that change, that sequence change of her just, you know, going off to the bathroom to go cry. Cutting to her on the like, plane, yeah. And then it just cuts to that plane. Yeah, it's such a good – and she's still grieving in the plane too. It's like, oh, man, because you know that it's this is just like a it's continuous inescapable. thing. Yes, exactly. I mean your whole family gets murdered. Dude, like how would you <laughs> fucking feel? Like that's not something totally. you just forget, you know? Especially um, when you're just going on a vacation and especially being on a plane, dude, you're stuck with your own thoughts and you're stuck with this asshole oh, yeah. who doesn't give a fuck about you really. And it's just like <laughs> offering no true form of consolement is just kind of just a f- human piece of flesh and is just here yes. to like guide you through, I don't, I don't know, fucking his own he's bullshit. dragging her while she's dragging this like chain yes. and ball of her own right. trauma, you know, right. and it's like, that's a lot of weight to be carrying yeah. for both of you, you know. Yeah. Um, so they get there and uh, they immediately drive off to uh, their destination. Hogard. Um, Ho- Hogard, right? Uh, yeah, it's Hogard, yeah. Hogard. And then... Um, I guess we should definitely mention that, like, uh, the reference to the climax shot of the um, yeah, shout out to Gaspar, down. yeah, um, and not only that, but also with the so once they arrive to the sort of beginnings of the compound, uh, they take mushrooms, mm-hmm. and uh, that is sort of the first instance of what we are expecting to be like a drug-inducing sort of film, mm-hmm. uh, which I I always love when they introduce those aspects because it really changes like what could happen. In I mean, it makes like it their makes, own inhibitions. It, it gives people the freedom of like dream sequences to happen in reality, <laughs> you know, cause it's also, you're in this yes. dreamlike state, but you very much are experiencing these things, whether they're in your own head or not. Like you're sharing a lucid experience with other people who are seeing their own form of fucking psychedelics in the sky uh-huh. so it's it's just a fun thing to do and when it's done right and i think that ari Aster did an excellent job down uh but just perfect just like I the thought. subtleties like when they first take the the shrooms and they're sitting on the grass and like Pele telling like just chill breathe like look at the trees like i can remember so many times being on shrooms oh, and like yeah. looking at trees and i'm like is that mo- is that the wind blowing or is that me fucking like tripping balls right now like looking at this tree in the air like just, everything's breathing. Everything is literally pulsating. breathing. Like that's like the best description for being on a psychedelic. Like it's shit breathes. Like it, it literally yes. is really breathing. Like walls are breathing. The air is breathing. And even the way you, it's shot, like yeah. uh, it's kind of shot very low. And the people on the hill, like the characters, are scattered, kind of. And uh-huh. I could, like that shot was perfect because. In my head, I'm just immediately thinking of all the times that I've done it on like a grassy knoll like that. Yeah. And we're just like in our own little zones and our patches of yeah. grass trying to man- maintain our composure. Trying stuff. to get wow. centered. And then uh, I love how you know, they uh, like as shitty of a character Mark was, I did find him to be pretty hilarious in the film. And uh, 
when uh, they're all sitting and that other guy comes walking by, he's like, oh, goddamn, like another person. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, I've been in the, I hate having to interact with other people outside of I, your own psychedelic I burst out group. laughing. Yeah. Because it's so it's relatable. So I've true. been there. Yeah. Like, oh, what the fuck? Like, here they come. Like, don't talk to me. Please <laughs> do not talk to me. And it's cool because, like, I, I was reading about the insp- like influences of the film and. Ari Aster, he said he'd never done psychedelics in his entire mm-hmm. life. So he like looked to Gaspar to find inspiration yep. and kind of how to shoot it. And I think like I mean, I just would love to take drugs with Gaspar. It must be a, a really fun. Oh one. yeah, he must just, know. just shoot a film with him. I would love that. Would to be do. tight too. Yeah, but just to hang out with the guy and like take some shrooms oh, or yeah, some yeah. acid or something and just like see where his fucking mind goes. Like I'll just sit and listen to him. Like, uh, totally, tell me a story, yeah, yeah. dog, or something. <laughs> But he no. got it down. Like, he just didn't do, like, so many times and people try and take, like, do a psychedelic trip on film and it just goes over the top and it's too much. Yes. Your experiences when you're on psychedelics is very subtle and the subtle the subtleties of life are exemplified even further. Like, when exactly. she, so when she starts kind of having a little bit of a panic, Danny runs off and she's walking and you can hear the laughter in the distance and you're just like, mm-hmm. Ugh, like everything. You're so also self-centered when you're on drugs too, because you're s- very self-conscious. So like as she walks, she like, they start laughing and they all just like look in their direct, her direction. And of course, yeah, like she, she arrives at that group yeah, to try and compose herself. And they, <laughs> yeah. It's like, and they look at her not because not to make fun of her, but to be no, like, Oh, hi, just, hello. Like, yeah, exactly. And she's like, uh, uh, and just walks <laughs> off. And they're like, they should, they were laughing at me. And it's, it's, you really do feel like that. You feel like all eyes are on you when you're on a psychedelic. But not only that, I just knew coming to when they were about to take the drugs, which again reveals another great moment in that sort of like awkward tension within the relationship with fucking Danny and Christian kind of going off to the side and he's like, I won't do it if, if you're not going to do it. Yeah. Like, and then that little awkwardness of just like, I that, that is just so good because again, she should definitely not be taking this, right. you know, like in her situation, that is the last thing you want to be doing because it can really get you in a hole. Brings uh, out the trauma that you're trying to run exactly. away from. You can get into these very nightmarish situations Easily. and he is definitely pushing, almost manipulating that kind of idea of like, well, you know, I want to do it, but I won't do it if you won't, you know, and like then kind here, of and pressuring then, her. Yeah. And then meanwhile, his, yes. his friends in the back are like, what? Like, no, dude, like, come on. Like, what the fuck? Like, we've definitely he's been like, there. Too. Unless you want to wait for us to do it. Which it's I like, thought was no. a good response, but at the same time, he again back to his old selfish ways isn't really. You know, he knows that that that's not going to happen. Yeah, and he knows damn well he wants to do it right now. Exactly, and so the, she takes it against her better judgment, and at first it seems to be going kind of well, and then it yeah it just like she freaks out, goes into that like so, shed by herself. So that part was to me the most horrifying part of the entire film, like her running off going into the shed, seeing the manifestation of her sister in the mirror, yes. and then her running off into the woods as the woods are starting to like close in uh-huh. on her and are breathing. And then just that one scene, dude, like when they uh, they cut to her family sitting on the couch in the dark with just a TV light on them. Uh-huh. And then like her sister like subtly like looks at the camera very sinisterly like ugh like the first time I remember seeing that I was like fuck like, no that's definitely like a chilling so scene chilling because it doesn't even, it just implies so much yeah the the lighting the atmosphere of like the the only the light 
is coming from the TV, you know, the, the shrouded in darkness, of the yeah. light, and everything is dark, and she's just she's just staring at you with this blood curdling stare that's just implies so much, so much sinister activity is going on with that scene, and, and it's, it's like um, there's this there's this. Uh, idea that this guy talks about uh that i've been reading uh his name is shanti collins he talks about he wrote his dissertation on this idea of the monumental horror image Mm -hmm. so um when you think of the monumental horror image every horror movie has this and you could probably pinpoint it with a singular shot that is just so overwhelming as it's the shot that it's like this essence that should not be and yet it Mm. it exists and it exemplifies all that is evil and sinister within the thematic elements of the film itself right and i think that shot is the monumental horror image of the film because it is just it implies everything about the film and nothing and it just encapsulates all evil all uh, evil tension and despair um for what's to come and it's it's just perfectly rendered i think and especially too because that's sort of danny's perspective on how her sister treated it too because she was just bipolar right like she wasn't a sinister person she just had a mental instability so like Mm -hmm. to her what she's doing is right it's a form of escaping she felt that her parents needed to escape with her but in Danny's eyes, she killed her whole family for no reason. Just ignore Danny too. So like that exactly. subtle look of sinister of just yeah, just being sinister implications. Implica- yeah, sinister implications in her sister's face, while Danny is stripping is just again so telling and just the very pinnacle point of Danny's horrors throughout that entire film. Same with like Hereditary. I think the monumental horror image in that would be like the first when she sees her mother in that corner oh. and just that ghostly See? apparition yes. of her. That I 100% agree because to me that's the scariest part in all of Hereditary too. Exactly. He does it and it, it, he doesn't make her the uh, Annie's mom in Hereditary look more deformed or anything. It's just a <laughs> shuttle figure of her with like bare like barely identifiable features of her and her mom Annie just looks so goddamn petrified and yeah, that sets up the whole film because Danny is ultimately exactly. just haunted. Or excuse me, Annie is just ultimately uh, haunted by her mother's past and just the path that her mother led for her family. She is literally like linked to that. So, yeah. like, that's another thing that we were talking about, right? In terms of like uh, symbolically being linked or chained mm-hmm. to this trauma, to this grief. Whereas in Midsummer, it's symbolically displayed by the you know hoses that are literally linked. To their to mouths the entire family. and mm, stuff. Interesting, yeah. Um, especially with the sister, you know, because right. like it's directly inserted into her mouth. <laughs> but um, so yeah, so she takes the shrooms. Uh, Passes out. Is the monumental horror image is displayed, which is a, such a great shot. Yeah. Um, and then after that, she wakes up the next day, having slept it off. Uh, because of where they are, it's still daylight, which is really, I thought like a really cool aspect to include in mm-hmm. this, which is just like eternal sunlight, not being able to kind of hide from anyone, right. you know, not being able to hide any of your view. emotions. Exactly. And, um, so then they get to the actual, from there they get to the actual compound, right? Or yeah, she, she wakes up. Uh, they're all also looking at her with kind of detest and they're like, you fucking passed out. Like. 
no compassion really because mark you see <laughs> yeah. mark in the shot just like ugh, like rub it shrugging like this bitch but at the same time he's the reason that she they were she was pressured even to doing the drugs and exactly again, back to him being the tin man with no heart he just has no compassion so yeah they cuts to that and then they head over to uh the fest the actual festival and compound where the rest of the film takes place we get it introduced to all the people the music playing is very zelda or queen of time well i thought because mm. it's mm-hmm. just like that okay yeah 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 it's just a very welcoming environment at least for danny it seems like because she walks in there with a full smile on her face as they all do but everyone is more kind of like bewildered about like where they're at right now and they're like of course yeah and it looks weird because everybody's so uniformly happy and uh dressed as well yeah exactly very cultish from the get-go yeah but that's the thing about cults is that they put on they put on an air of platonic sort of incredulousness like they you're not exactly sure whether they're friend or foe but right. they're very mysterious and intriguing so you want to be around them or talk to them yeah um and so that's how they kind of are presented to this and Bele introduces them to the uh i guess the head of the compound yeah um also we meet his brother as well um and like he grew up in this area so he knows all of like the ritualistic lore that is there, and um, he's just kind of introducing uh, the travelers to basically the, where they will be staying uh, for the remainder of the, the festival. Mm-hmm. And we do get a chance to see that like really creepy uh, like childlike mural uh, that basically displays what's going to happen in christian's fate yeah yeah so uh, the, in terms of impregnating like getting <laughs> under the under the woman. spell of a woman there who has been fit to make love finally because uh that cult group whatever they dictate when people are allowed to have their first sexual experiences and uh yes exactly yeah and it's funny because yeah the other because they're with two other travelers because it, i guess that for a, as a rite of passage for the festival people who are from that tribe of people have to bring in newcomers is what it seems like. That's right. Yeah, because Pele brings them, and then his brother brings those two British people. Yes. Um, And then he's giving them a tour, and then, yeah, we see that, (laughs) which I also really love the art, and then it's so, like, childish, but also, like... Very Hieronymus Bosch, too. Yeah, yeah. um, That Garden of Earthly Delights kind of, like, Mm -hmm. uh, just very hellish, sort of looking, like, demonic... Uh, children almost but also like like, uh, he has a pleasant air to it yes exactly because it's all very uh colorful and you know playful too very playful yeah it's and um after the introduction they go to the the quarters where they'll be staying and that like a barn looking place which is also really painted beautifully i thought yeah Uh, just like all of that was Mm -hmm. really great to see um, the set design itself was like, damn, amazing. That was, that was amazing. Yeah, it's surprising that he got all this done within like a month that or time. something. Yeah, and, because and I, I I was listening. Uh, he made that. He like as soon as Hereditary was done, he started working on. He was already kind of working on Midsummer, like as Hereditary was wrapping up. So like, as mm-hmm. soon as Hereditary premiered, he took off and started filming midsummer which is crazy wow. for him because that yeah like that's so much fucking work to do in like a span of a totally. year or two that takes a lot out of you but i mean you could kind of see why you know like i mean like, i think it's it's a more lugubriously 
paced film because it's not like it, everything is so perfectly shot. Like you want to taste all of it, you know, mm, but it yeah. also does the pace is so much uh, slower. I thought like there are kind of so? like a lot of dead air. I think uh, just like parts where I, just, I could have, I don't know. Just, I think some of the dancing, some of the, some of the dancing quicker. sequences and some of the like dinner sequences were a little bit longer than they needed to be. Yes, exactly. Um, so I can see what you mean about the dinner, but I, I, I felt that ultimately the pacing between the two, two Hereditary and uh, Midsommar were they're pretty much the same. I felt like yeah. there's a lot of dead air in Hereditary too, but everything kind of builds. Uh, it's you're building to something, right? In Hereditary, course, as you are course. in Midsommar. Although in Midsommar, you kind of get more gruesome, I guess, images throughout the film. I'm trying to think. In there's a lot more. I think there's more to there. it. Yeah, Hereditary is very much dialogue based. You know suffering through annie and suffering through peter through the uh-huh. through the family you kind of get the, the, the horrific elements whereas this there's it's definitely more of a visual film i mean with yes. it's a brighter film so you're it's very kinda, right you're yeah, based yeah. on you want he wants you to see more of what's he wants you to see the scope of what's going on around you in this film whereas hereditary you're very much centered around the tragedy of these people and just kind of the di- the communications they have between one another and how that's ultimately leading to the crazy climax in that film um for midsummer i thought that uh it was interesting because he kind of takes the the same dynamic of like the family dynamic right yeah from hereditary but i i was saying that like what's held as an effigy in hereditary is like the family dynamic which is why the triangle is used for like you know, father, son, mother, mm, because yeah, I was trying to pick up on that. I, well, that's I. I thought that's why Charlie needed to die because she didn't fit the puzzle, right? Because, right. Again, the spirit was needed a, a male in order to yeah. uh, survive and to thrive. So she needed to die in this sort of sacrificial ritual in order to complete the dynamic of the triangle, which was. Mm father son and mother and that's what you get at the very end with you know the handling payment they're in the house which again has that like triangular sort of rooftop and stuff so that's i I thought it was interesting that that was held in as an effigy as like a as the as like this horrific uh monolith that upholds very sacred values but also very contempted sacred values but whereas in this one it's all held up to be burned down to be just like reduced to rubble and right. ash to cleanse uh oneself if anything because yeah, uh, it very much is a breakup film yeah <laughs> and i think like the, the juxtaposition of family the family dynamics in the two films like the family dynamic in midsommar is very much inclusive and kind of put here to bring you up Whereas in Hereditary, it's put here to just bring you down. And it's the family dynamic in that film was made with the intention of just summoning this creature, right? Whereas in mm-hmm. Midsommar, the family dynamic, which is shared through just everybody in the compound, because they refer to everyone as their brothers and sisters. Exactly. They share each other's tragedy. They share each other's you know happiness. And they're all just kind of there to kind of bring Danny's spirits up, although through cruel means, but... They're very much there as a helping point as opposed to just kind of sucking life out of her, mm-hmm. which her normal dynamic of, I guess, friends, more so just acquaintances, were just kind of being a toxic element in her life. 
That's why she need. So okay, so we'll go back to that like that family yeah, dynamic yeah. later. But um, so they go. So once they get there, they see where they'll be staying. They kind of get comfortable and whatnot. They have their first dinner or lunch with them, which goes leads into the first sort of ritual that is going to take place, um, and that comes in the form of these the two oldest members, I guess, of the colony. Are yeah, they're you're only allowed to life cycle. Your life cycle is a uh, your life cycle is through the seasons too. So, and it's er, through every uh, twelve years or something. I don't know, but the age the age is up to seventy two is where you're no longer <laughs> allowed to live. I guess like, exactly. That's a wrap in for order you. to bring in new life. Right? Uh, yeah, you need to idea. sacrifice old life to give into the new. Yeah. So we and go ahead. Go ahead. Oh yeah, so we—I mean, we can see. Yeah, so we are in the bar and we see where they're staying. And before we even jump to that ritual, what I loved also about the the entire just setup of the barn is they're all sleeping under sort of the fates that befall them. Like uh, mm. Christian is under the fate; he's under the. Uh, it's either no, he's under the sex ritual. He's literally okay. sleeping <laughs> below that. Danny, mm. I think, is sleeping. She's under the sun. I remember. Yeah, she's under the sun or something. Yeah. And then which jo- may kind of makes sense because like she is like the center of this sort of spiraling, yeah, you know, or what's thought to be the center of this spiraling yeah. universe. And I just thought that was just just excellent work with Ari Aster and just the subtleties that he put in just his set design is just ama- like it just makes that film a great film. I think, but it's like the, it's taking these old sort of ideas of fantasies with like the breadcrumbs leading right. you. To what you think For is sure. going to be a tasty treat or a fucking treasure, when in fact it's your own death or yeah, because your I'm own sh- tragic outcome. Because I'm sure, which like is the coolest kind of story. Because like I'm sure, like you don't see this on film, but just from knowing Christian's character, I'm sure coming into the bed, the sleeping compound, walking up to your bed, like of course you're going to examine what's around you. I'm sure he saw that painting and be like oh like sex like that's i'm about that like look at the get a load of this like so, yeah, a yeah. sex ritual what's that about anyways good night yeah <laughs> of course no like and the fact that he doesn't need to do that in order for it to be recognized for because yeah. that's for the audience right right that's, yeah this is very much attuned and that's what also leads me to believe that the audience member is meant to be this sort of uh all-encompassing spirit or evil presence that would have encapsulated in hereditary which would have been the mother so you're kind of the mother going through the ritual watching it play out Mm. and thus you're the camera uh at least that's what i was getting and then with this one it's like you're the sister watching it all play out with in her sister Mm. uh with danny and um, I don't know. That's and especially because the way it's filmed, he loves the sort of panning, which yeah. really reminds me of someone like looking from side to side of just like surveying their landscapes mm-hmm. or uh, following someone pushing in on them. You know, like yeah. think, shots like that, which really uh, remind me of it. Um, but then we get to the first ritual scene, which again takes place with the oldest members, who their life cycles up. And they are led to this really high rock ledge, 
And at first, but, I didn't really understand. I like, I kind of had a feeling I knew what was going to happen, but not really the way it was planned yeah. out. But uh, you know, real quick, also too, I mean, back. This is also back to the Wizard of Oz sort of themes. Um, Josh is uh, Pele actually tells him, like, "Oh, tomorrow uh-huh. I forget the name, whatever the name of the ritual is, and some Swedish name." He's like, "Oh, tomorrow you guys get to see your first whatever," and he's like, "Wait, like a real whatever, like a real ritual?" And he's like, "Yep," and he's like, "Oh, all right, like." not preparing his friends who he came on this journey mm. with about what they're about to see. He's just so caught up in like his own journey to create a thesis and just doesn't care. And his, exactly. his quest for knowledge just lets his friends fucking experience it and have full on meltdowns. So then, yeah, we get, we get back over to the ritual. Totally. That is true. <laughs> and the ritual involves them basically slitting their hands, uh, dragging their bloody hands across these ruins uh, making a final sort of theatrical stage pose on top of this ledge, and then launching themselves off to <laughs> the stones below. And you know, uh, back to that. Go- I mean, we wanted to mention that gore, dude. Just the way yes. that it's completely silent the moment they jump, and the woman first hits that boulder and slams up and- face first, which is oh man, Her- such a terrible way to go out but you just see her head explode into herself yes it is so oh man it just makes you like like fucking tense up because it happens so like the bone crunch yeah you know it's just it really gets you to your nerves and you see them like do the hang time like it's not just like a jump and then cut to them hitting the rock you see her actually fall through the air and then like yes you see the impact take place and her like recoil off of it exactly (laughs) and then then uh, the the fucking dumbass old guy goes jumps leg first snaps his legs pencil a little pencil dive (laughs) <laughs> snap, for some reason snaps his it obliterates his legs and is just Literally, he's yeah. just on the floor suffering screaming <laughs> so then everybody else begins to scream because a part of what's that uh what's in their culture is they share tragedies with one another they, they share, share experiences yes they share emotions so he's fucking screaming on the ground and danny and, and josh all of them her. yeah they're all just watching Probably in that. awe and they just bring a comic, then, a comically like huge mallet <laughs> to like put him out of his misery. That guy is presented in the beginning of the slow march to it, and you're like, I wonder what this guy's position is. <laughs> you know, like what is his function in this sort of tribe? And yeah, that's he's the face smasher. He's the face smasher for people who don't mallet conveniently guy. die from jumping off a rock ledge. Like this guy. And um, just pound his head in. Speaking of that whole crying and that shared grief, that really reminded me of the scene in Mother when uh, Javier Bardem is like, listen, listen, to, do you hear that? And they're yeah, all yeah, like yeah. crying together. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We that, need to do an episode on Mother. We really, we really do. Because I love that movie. Um, so that happens. Obviously, it's extremely uh, traumatic to witness if you're not prepared for it. Right. The British couple just starts going off like, oh, what, the fuck? what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, yeah. you're not doing anything. Like, they're even trying to stop the guy with the mallet from smashing this guy's head. Right. Um, and so they freak out. Obviously, they want to leave. Uh, the leader of it is just like, so she's even kind of weirded out. Like, she's kind of like, why didn't, you know, the people like, who did you not prepare them, them for you, this? Yeah, exactly. Why didn't, what did you tell them about this? Right. You know? Uh, and so she kind of consoles the main group. Obviously that couple's like, no, fuck that. We're leaving, you know? Right. 
and so they do end up uh, supposedly leaving. Well, one, and the, the the guy is gone for a little while. She get the woman is ready to go. She walks back out, and one of the people of the tribe was like, "You know, he's he took off. He took the train. He wanted to just make exactly. sure you book your ticket." And she's like, "What? Like what the fuck?" So and that's like a classic horror trope, you know, like people telling the character like, "Oh, she they're gone. You know, they went to go get something. Yes. They'll be back." Like just sit here or come with me and we'll figure it out. Like classic and horror element. Just, yeah, yeah, oh, totally. Cause you're just so trusting. Uh, you put all your faith into this and especially in a foreign country, you're like, right. okay, I don't know what else to do. So I'm going to just le- let you lead me to whatever happens. And you if know? you try and my fate, and even so, like if you try and fight it, you're in a world that you don't know. And it's completely, Oh God! Excuse me. <laughs> uh, foreign to you, so you have no choice but to like. Even if you are reluctant to follow this person, because you clearly don't trust them, like you ultimately have no choice. What cho- yeah. What choice? Like, what do choice you do you really have? have? Yeah. So that and happens. Um, I really well, and I think we should definitely mention that throughout this, like as the film progresses throughout this time, like obviously people start going missing through this very comical fashion of like. Uh, which I thought was really funny because it's like a horrific trope on the old comedy idea of like people in a strange land. So they don't know the custom. So they kind of mess up by doing these very comedic, stupid yeah. stunts of like, for instance, Mark peeing on the, you know, sacred burial, burial tree. Yeah. Um, and then him uh, again, complete lack of compassion. He's like, what? Like, I don't know. It was no big deal. I didn't know. It was just a dead tree. And he's like, who cares? And then the guy's like, who cares? Exactly. Like, who cares? And then from there, he's just fucking targeted the entire time. And that going to that dinner scene after where he's just getting stared at the entire time, you know? Yeah. Um, well, before that, we're missing a, two, a good part, too, uh, which I really liked was um, the dream sequence with uh, Danny yes. when she gets up and she sees them creeping out and she gets up and they're taking off in the car. And as she tries to scream, the black exhaust fumes come out of her mouth. And yes, you, that you, was a really good one. You too. cut to more scenes of the house and like her sister like creepily walking throughout the house and like her family sleeping. Uh-huh. And then you cut to the ritual with the two uh, older elderly people dead at the foot of the mountain and uh yes and, with her sister there too and then oh, an, an, an also a subtle thing that he does is like he barely like opens her eyes you know to like look back exactly. at danny as she's dead like they're dead Ugh. the sister is a very haunting character in that film even though you barely see her exactly but that that just that's her the main presence thing presence alone exactly because that is the film that is right. it's centered on that yes on her presence you know um and I, I think another thing we we need to mention is the incessant crying that is in the barn mm. from the baby, right? Like constantly, yeah. it, always going on right. in the night. And it's so weird because it's like uh, you want to just like shut it up, and it also just like shut symbolic, that baby up. <laughs> symbolic of Danny's own grief and just like yeah. not being able she can't to hide stop. From it. She can't quit. Yeah, uh, and. She routinely throughout the film will go off to cry on her own um, and just like can't compose herself in a way that's like that's just structured or she's she's literally melting before your eyes, yeah. you know, in a puddle of tears. Which and, is like uh, a form of metamorphosis in itself, you know, like going through grief. It, yes. You are hardened through your tears and then once your tears have diminished, you kind of come out 
feeling a lot better. Or like she's just, blooming, like a exactly, flower. Yeah, yeah. Which is why she's the May Queen. She becomes the May Queen. You yeah. know, like she and I love the way they dress her in that outfit at the end with like the just the full the flowers gown. Like, yeah, oh, so beautiful. But yeah, she is literally being. Um, She's literally excoriating herself in front of everybody in, few, in full view, which is like the most vulnerable. haunting way to do it and yeah. vulnerable, um, only to become this new person so she can join her new family in a sense, which is right. this cultish region, right? Uh, and so throughout the film, uh, we find – well, okay, so after – what's his name? Uh, Mark pees on the tree. You know, the guy has it out for him. Yeah. After dinner, he disappears. So it's just Josh, Christian, and uh, Danny left. And um, Josh on Josh his quest for knowledge. Is exactly on a quest for knowledge. So he decides to try and see if he can read the their holy book, kind of like their Bible, I guess, that was written yeah. by, you know, the, the tribe the, there. And the he Oracle. Gets, he gets passage through uh, Pele. Uh, and he ends up reading it, which is, turns out to be like sort of gibberish. And like, yeah, I love that when he starts to find out who how their traditions have been written down. And he's like, we get people who are untainted or who are un- I forget the exact way he describes people, but basically people who are just dis- like with a disability are the ones that are- which I thought was really weird to add because there is absolutely no nothing is comes of that like. No. It's just that an old character. It's just an old tradition that Exactly. And it's like why even mention or why even have the deformed character if you don't utilize him in a way that really is pivotal to the story. It's almost like he was just there for shock value, which kind of made me feel weird because it was just like, okay, dude. Well, I like, thought it was just also kind of telling of like how kind of flawed their traditions are because Josh kind of realized like you're letting this guy write your book, like where is the sense of in these course. traditions? And like, even the whole sex ritual, like that deformed person is like, like what I mean. I mean, you don't see him jacking off, but he's clearly aroused when he's watching Christian have sex with the the girl that puts the spell under him too. And it's just like Josh kind of starts realizing, like, this is fucking a bogus ass. Like, what are you guys doing over here? I mean, he was created out of incest, which doesn't. Yeah. But again, a lot of that element of that character, I just thought, didn't hold enough. Wait yeah, to the story really in need general. Him. So uh, yeah, exactly. That could have they could have done without him and just had the head of the compound been the guy who wrote it and is just like, oh, I take shrooms and I draw pictures. And that would have that would have worked reading. too, right? I think right? yeah, you're, he kind of just threw that guy in for shock value. Yeah, and it was weird because it's just like Damn, that's honestly would have been a good better solution of just having a guy who's fucking out of his mind on psychedelics and hallucinogens yes. that he writes this gibberish and all nonsense. You can only live until you're seventy two, and you have to we have to kill you. <laughs> like, okay, exactly. Yeah, and um, so he after he finds the book, uh, you definitely get a sense that he wants a taste of more because he asks if he can take pictures which yeah he's writing gets, a thesis on the culture of on the culture there yeah that's his whole actually i mean we forgot to mention that but that's the whole whole reason why they were going to go to sweden was right. because he was going to do his you know dissertation or thesis and then on this ritual culture and everyone Alice was kind of tagging along yeah. uh, for the trip. And then the in between we kind of jumped over this too we, josh comes or, or rather um Christian comes to Josh and he's like, Hey, like, I got to talk to you. Like, 
I'm going to do my thesis on this place. And he's like, what the fuck? Like, you have, you've never wanted to, you've never, no mention of it. Another asshole move. Another asshole selfish move. Just like, hey, um, actually, I'm going to steal everything you've been working on and uh, the knowledge that you have and you've been talking to me about. I'm going to ruin on that. And Josh just fucking goes off on him. And typical selfish Christian, he's just fucking like, he's like, well, I'm still going to do it. Like, totally. Like, this is your friend through college that you've been sharing these experiences with. And, He's all he's re- extremely pissed off at you for stealing your idea, and he Christian just lacks compassion for him, and is just like, no, uh, I'm good. I need to get my shit done, and that sets into motion this again this quest for knowledge, right? Which leads Josh to have to um, go on uh, in the dead of night to exactly, take photos to like of the doing their this book. Very, uh, uh, very. Uh, what's the word for it? Like, I guess like dangerous action like partaking in a very dangerous move that potentially could get him in a lot of trouble but yeah. he's willing to do it like he knows just to get back at christian to to he's just the, trying to one up him at that him. point yeah he's trying exactly. to get an jump advantage over him. him at that point he kind of loses his motivation to write a compelling thesis and something that is actually knowledgeable and he's just kind of doing it to spite christian exactly. and be one step ahead of him in all forms of research at that place and so he goes into the dead of the night to their temple where the book is, starts reading and starts taking some pictures. And in another very comical moment, uh, you just see this figure come into the doorway. And because it's dark, He's you naked can't really also. tell who it is. Yeah, you can tell they're naked. And it's just like, what the fuck? Ari, he loves doing, he loves something about the naked form and like standing in the shadows. Because in Hereditary, when the whole climax takes yes. place everybody's naked and like they're all just exactly. standing in the shadows like you can see that they're naked but it's also kind of like distorted a little bit too totally totally he just it's, loves doing that <laughs> and it's so but it's so creepily done That's so why creepily done like, like especially in hereditary when uh uh peter first sees first sees one of the cult members and it's the smiling yes. guy from the from that smiles at charlie at their grandmother's the funeral uh-huh. and he just has that like white grin and he's just standing in the dark in like, the doorway yeah it's just Oh man, yeah, so unnerving. Um, so fucking up, but so Josh sees him and he's just like, "Who the?" F-? And he recognizes that it's he's Mark. Like, Mark, he's yeah. Like, Mark, what are you doing? Like, you're not supposed to be here. And as the guy gets closer, you start to realize something's off about his proportion on his body. Yeah. Like it seems like <laughs> his like droopy. scalps like to the side. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like as he gets closer, you're just like, "Oh my god!" Like this guy's wearing the skin. Yeah. Of this guy mark and then all of a sudden josh just gets gets dropped just dropped and then i thought from there there was a kind of a lot of debt more of the dead air kind of scenes exactly yes yeah it was like the whole like christian going into like the head of the compound like sitting in that room it was just a lot of it was drawn out and i felt like it was just kind of filler um, yeah, they talk about the to book. lead up to the May Queen. Yeah, like even like the mention of the book being stolen, like that did nothing. They, could, exactly. they reference it never again. Like they did, they didn't even. What was the point of accusing them or being suspicious? Like, is it to just mm-hmm. like kind of make them think that Josh ran off on his own? But even then, it's like Christian. I get back to Christian. He's like, oh well, we I dissociate from that guy. Like, I have no intention of being his friend. Like, I don't know what the fuck he's doing. So maybe it was just to highlight Christian's assholeism even further, but. 
for probably, a while. I mean, I think it was to kind of throw him off too into thinking that Josh might have like left with the book. But even Danny's like, Josh would never do that. Like, why? What are you talking? Like, Danny's suspicious the whole time. Whereas Christian is just like, you know what? No, nah, he's an asshole. Like, I don't know. <laughs> True. <laughs> and then he even goes off to it goes on to say like, Mark, yeah, I didn't. We we didn't know that guy or like yeah. we were with him yeah. or something. Just disavows like, okay, of all his wow. friends. <laughs> In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. So then a lot of that time from then, it's kind of filler. Then they kind of prepare for the the May Queen dance. and Their last day of festivities. Yeah, Josh is, I mean, Christian is under this kind of close to being under the full spell of the woman who's trying to seduce him through putting period blood in his drinks and pubes Uh, in his food. Pubic hair in his food. (laughs) Putting a tree root under his bed. Yeah, and then you get through there and then... uh, so Danny, they go through the, they take a more psychedelics, which I also loved when they crown Danny the May Queen and just that one, that one little flowers breathing here like, and there. Yeah, just undulating and just pulsate, vibrate, ah, so perfect like that. Which apparently they didn't get that down until like a week before the film was supposed to be out. Oh, like really? just that specificity mm-hmm. of the flowers, you know, took yeah. a while to get down because I mean you could tell by just like trying to get it detailed um but yeah after after that they go into the the ritualized dance and stuff mm-hmm. and you know you obviously know that danny's going to become this person right um i wish they kind of had more of like the the more ritualized stuff with the the female specifically um especially as it pertained like to the dancing like more i don't know more custom uh, stuff that had to deal with like I don't know like the dancing was cool but that was that seemed like the only I look yeah I, I get what you're saying it. I get what you're saying because I looked uh I was looking up the artist who actually did all the artwork on the walls and stuff and uh the art and one of the director or the art directors for the film was like breaking down some of them and there's some of them that aren't seen in the film um mm-hmm. and one of them is them uh like the the women of the tribe or whatever go out to see like naked and they're holding torches and they're like sort of dancing around this pillar which is supposed to be a symbol for the sun or something so i, uh, I would have liked see, to see yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff too like more rituals pertaining to like l- creating this may queen figure exactly and like i was watching the trailer too recently and i noticed in the trailer there's a part where like there's some floating like i remember seeing in the trailer hmm. and i watched it again i think you're today. right yeah there's a floating feet, and there I never saw that once. Like oh, I was right. honestly waiting for that part. Like, oh damn, there's going to be like some weird sort of magic. Yeah, uh, there wasn't ever. There, there wasn't really any supernatural aspect in any of that. Not at I, all. Which I think is why it relied so much on the whole psychedelica aspect of that, because that, yes. that in itself is a supernatural occurrence that happens on a concrete human level. Yes, and just manipulating reality, yeah. basically. Um, and so she gets crowned. Uh, it's really cool because I think that's like the first time she's finally able to like really let go of herself, uh, let go of all her inhibition and just kind of everything that's been holding her back in and, a sense. And she actually has like people who are welcoming of her and are actually trying to make be inclusive yeah. of her emotions. I mean, the and sisterhood, want to be right? Yeah, it's sisterhood. Like there for her to try and like to engage with them, to grieve with them in a right. sense, even though they don't know what happened, it's they're there for her to like have this sort of bond with. Yeah. And it really comes out because she need, she like obviously needed something of that nature. Um, and after that she becomes May queen and 
they take they give Christian uh, the drugs as well. Um, he has just come back from talking to like the matriarch of the compound, who yeah. has indicated that he will be deflowering one of the. <laughs> to which he there. has no objections to. He's just like yeah. Oh. He's just kind of like okay. But at the same time, he's still trying to cling on to Danny, and like yeah, they all like, line dude. up. They all line up at the fe- the final feast, and I love that he's the only one that's in black too, symbol- yeah, symbolizing yeah. that he's the black one. You know, hashtag no racist. Sheep. But uh, yeah, the odd man out. Yeah, the dark one, like the one that they need to burn, cleanse, and uh, exactly. He's just the whole time, like he gets told that he has to deflower her, and then he gets at the table, and he's like constantly just peering back to Danny as for like acceptance or just I don't know what he's doing, but he can't let go of Danny. Even though she's in this like form of triumph, and he still just wants to cling to her, and I would think even more so now because she's in a better place, he doesn't have the weight of her emotions anymore. And again, for his own selfish reasons, he's probably like, you know what, like I can maybe make this work. Like, look at her now, like, yes, exactly. I can get back over there. And then I love when like Danny's gonna go do another ritual with the women, and she's like, can Christian come? He's like, nay. She's <laughs> like, no, nah, he's not coming. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I just. Okay, so one criticism I do have, which I did, uh, someone wrote about it, which I thought was really interesting, was just like that whole sex scene I thought could have been done a little more with with a little more like viscera, you know, like it was Less it was comedic. kind of it was kind of uh, sterile, like everything was shot too nicely for that scene for it to be the kind of thing he that you were expecting of it because it's like. I would expect like more dirt to be on them and more like really. Fluid, I mean, they're very bodily fluid. They were very know, much a something. They were very much a clean cut kind of vanilla cult, if you think about but it. But aside I from think, the murder, but, like, but they're all barefoot. They're literally making love on the dirt and they're naked. Like, I don't know. I just expected more. Like, even when the women get involved with uh, the sex <laughs> to get him going, more, so that part so funny too by the way yeah uh, i love that she they, she's uh like orgasming to like a tune like they all start like singing, singing to her. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and that woman's like pushing him from behind yeah too. uh but i don't know i just like felt like there i i wanted more from it mm-hmm. uh, I feel just you. more just like absurdity to it even though it was absurd right. for sure um and then it's great that she, Danny, sees it through the little peephole, which call back again to strange thing about the Johnsons. Yeah, um, with just like you can only you're getting just this very narrow window of what's going on, but it tells you everything you need to know about. That I mean, you person. don't even see her vision; you just see her kind of the reflection in her eye, and you know exactly like what the fuck she's looking at. Exactly, and. Uh, she proceeds to go crazy afterwards, screaming outside, of course, with do right, and goes into the barn. All the women follow her in a very theatrical fa- fashion afterwards. They just start all screaming crying with her. Well, it's back to the shared grief, you know? Like, that's the whole totally. premise for that cult of people. I really like that part, honestly. Yeah, I did like, too. I was laughing during it, but I was just like, yeah, this is so absurdist that <laughs> it fits perfectly with yeah. what's going on, you know? While he is going through this sort of like very harmonious choir-like sex ritual, she's going through this very stilted, painful, agonizing scream, you know, with yeah. a bunch of other women. And uh, it's just very funny how it plays out. And then once Christian comes he realizes what he's doing <laughs> what's happening yeah 
Because she start, she's basically inseminating herself because she's like, I can exactly. feel it like, coming inside of me now. <laughs> and he runs out. He's just basically used as like a bull, like as if yeah. they would use a bull Literally. To, get, uh, to get sperm from or a horse, you know? Yeah. Um, and after that, he just runs outside naked, which I love. He can't, because of everything that's happened throughout the film, because of the lack of communication, because of the lack of uh, empathy he has for Danny, as soon as he hears the screaming coming from the barn where he should be running to, right. he instead runs away from it because that's the one thing he can't confront, which is a hysterical Danny, which is someone yeah. who is in so much pain that they need you to support them. So and that's his whole that, character arc, you know, like he can never confront exactly. him throughout the entire film. And because of that, he runs into uh, a shed, which we've kind of been taking notice throughout the film they kind of uh show it a little bit they come in and out of the random sheds that you're not shown definitely and then in this one you find it's one of the it's the, the british folk one half of the british couple now was he uh, a lot like was he breathing or was it just that christian was just tripping out so it, he saw his flesh as pulsating because they get a I, shot back so what you see totally it's the guy he's the hung blood up. eagle yeah he's yeah he's hung up his back is split open and there's like chickens literally jumping all over him and he has flowers in his eye and you get a shot from behind the guy's back so i guess like from his ass up to his spine and uh, it looked like he was breathing i don't know i thought that so i think that with that because so the blood eagle is an old very old like uh viking torture method where they yeah they split your back and they like break your ribs open to take out the lungs and hang them up so like you it's like to give you angel wings basically that's the idea um in this case i think he was living because i think there is a way to do it while keeping them alive Hmm. he was probably of course on the verge of death but and either way uh, it was just a great to see it like that was so crazy because yeah damn i was not expecting that at all for him to see that and uh of course a call back to takishin uh takashi mike's film itchy the killer mm-hmm. um but not definitely not as gruesome as the itchy the killer one because damn that guy gets <laughs> gets it really bad in it yeah um but he's strung up the same way and uh after that, he just freaks out. Uh, the people find him in there, blow some dust in his face, and he just knocks out. And when he wakes up, he is fully paralyzed. Uh, Danny is crowned the May Queen. She has her flowery, flowery, flowery gown on. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ! And um, they basically give her the decision to sacrifice. Uh, they have Christian. a nine sacrifices that they need to make, and they offer up Christian as the final sacrifice. And She's just like, yep, yeah, like thumbs down. And she is he's the, the deciding factor. Yeah, and, and he hasn't. He he's completely paralyzed, so he has no option to voice his no, reason. No for, say, no say whatsoever. Which is like a great you know finale for that character because the totally. whole time he had you had your time. Yeah, he you had, had your opportunity. Exactly, you had a dictation over this other this poor girl's life, and now you're fucking at her whims of life or death. And unfortunately, you played the wrong hand the whole time, and now you are getting like almost like a just desserts, you know? Totally. Like, and I love that he has to just watch what's going to happen to him. Yeah. Like, he gets put watch- in a bear costume. He has nothing, yeah. no control over <laughs> he that. He just has to watch the bear getting um, uh, autopsied and all of its organs pulled out, knowing full well that he's going into that costume. <laughs> 
um, which they do sh- depict earlier, I think, in one of the drawings of the bear. Yeah, so it's uh, when uh, Josh and uh, Christian are arguing, actually, the shot is over uh, Christian's shoulder. And okay. what's in the shot is like Josh is kind of in the back, and on what's kind of like almost the center of that shot is the bear like literally being burnt mm. as Christian is telling Josh, like, I'm stealing your idea. Uh, okay, okay. And also right before he goes into the little room to talk to the matriarch. Uh, yeah, there's photos of bears on fire. Or like not photos, rather uh, just drawings. Drawings. Um, so yeah, and then he, he they put him in the bear costume. And then it goes to the last sort of sequence where he is in the temple, which is the structure that they built, which I'm assuming they build every... Uh, yeah, because it gets burnt down every time. Mid-summer, but what's yeah. even But even before that, as they're leading into that, you you finally see what hap- what the fate of everyone else, pretty much. So like or the, that, too, yes. The other British girl's decaying, and she's <laughs> they're just wheeling her back into the thing. Uh-huh. Uh, and then you see, you see Marks. <laughs> he, he literally, I mean, I guess he kind of does become the scarecrow because they stuff him with exactly, straw. Yes. At the end. No brain. <laughs> like, that's what I mean. No brain. Yeah. So they all kind of do share the elements of the three characters in Wizard of Oz. So. Totally. And like, uh, I also thought th- another aspect I was getting to is that for Danny to fully realize herself as a singular person without the this sort of uh, baggage of a relationship and what that looks like, all of these people have to die. They're elements all of her relationship with Christian, right? Yeah. Because I mean, I heard, a, I heard a good thing that the entire festival and these people around her were basically just a manifestation of Danny's will to overcome them. Exactly, yes. Because, and again, they needed to die because yeah. Josh, so Mark represents the very horny side of Christian that's like, the cheater, you know, the guy who is like the person who will kind of lie to you behind your back. Throw you under the bus. Exactly. Um, Josh represents the very astute intellectual that Christian wants to be but isn't. Mm. Um, The British couple, obviously the couple that they're not because Mm, they even talk about how long they've been together. They're married. Christian can't even remember how long they've been together. Yeah. They represent everything that they're not as a couple, uh, and then Pele, of course, survives because he's the like good guy. He's the, he's the good, w- good witch. Yeah, he's the ideal boyfriend that she would want in a man. Right. And Christian is just the last puzzle piece that fits into this, and thus he, all of them need to die together. Yeah. For her, he's the amalgamation be, of all three of those characters. Exactly. Yeah. For her to be just relieved from everything, and she had uh, to burn the shoebox of memories. I just that's it's so beautiful how that happens. And I love so in, in this final ritual exactly. scene, there's like from from uh, what is uh huh. No, go ahead. Sorry. Just in the final ritual scene, uh, kind of more to the comedic element of the throughout the film. Uh, so they line up all the nine sacrifices, and there's two that are actually natives <laughs> to the village. And you can tell, like, one of them is, like, petrified. Like, he's almost regretful of, like, being one of the sacrifices. And the other one is just very blissful sitting there. And you have this other priest come in, and he's giving them what would be, I guess, a hallucinogen of some kind. He's like, oh. For- something of the yew tree or something. Yeah, like. the yucca tree or something like that. Yeah. And uh, he gives he gives them a little d- a droplet in their mouth. He's like, so you can feel no pain or fear. And the guy's like, okay. And he's like, yeah, I'm gonna be feel go to my take my last ride blissfully. And then as the tree the the building is burning down, <laughs> the fire just engulfs him and he just immediately screams. Immediately. Ah! 
<laughs> then it just the cuts away. The second it touches his pant leg, it just like <laughs> because they're both up they're like staring at each other, you know, as to comfort one another through death. And like the one who was so blissful about it just immediately screams. <laughs> exactly, it's like that so is fucking so hilarious. Terrifying. That is the last way you want to go out. Burning, it's dude. Just burning and screaming. Well, Christian, you know? even too. Like, imagine being burnt but not being able to like <laughs> flail Do anything. Anything exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's very terrifying too. Um, the smoke might have got him first, though. That's honestly. true. That, that is usually what happens. Um, but yeah, and it's like I love that. That's the end of it because yeah. she she finally smiles at right. like that very last well, part. She, it's like she burned the shoebox of her memory. I mean, that's like the best example, right? Like totally burning yes. the shoebox, or just burning anything of memory. Your collection of memories in this one thing you put them in. And mm-hmm. she's finally relieved of this weight of people and emotions that have been upon her. And now she's inclusive of a family. She has someone who genuinely, she has people who genuinely love her. And Exactly. I lo- oh, God. It's, yeah. It's really. Um, a great climax. I mean, you could. Th- it is. Because you're waiting for that to happen. You're waiting for her to take. You want her to the, overcome. Yes. To take like a sort of stance against this guy who's basically been who has been manipulating her this entire time mm-hmm. and their relationship for his own vanity yeah and um yes vanity. his thesis becomes his vanity project because he wants to stay <laughs> there longer right you know? like and it's like no she doesn't want to do that like you didn't even ask her yeah you know? like you're just you doing just your said, project now I'm yeah do it and you're like and now you're ignoring her even further while you brought her there <laughs> exactly. you're making it for your own selfish means which yeah, it's just the he's just a shitty character the whole film, which I admire. So the guy did a great job. He needed to be crucified or like sacrificed yep. in this sense. And I just thought that that was like a beautiful moment. And he was talk I've heard Ari Aster talk about the film as being his Dogville. So Dogville is a film that was created by Lars von Trier, stars yeah. Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Um that film basically takes place in that uh it's like a, it's like a mountainside or something, right? 50s or 40s. Well, it takes place on in a theater oh, okay. set. It's made to feel like you're outdoors, but it's a very minimalist theater set, which mm. is really cool the way they shoot it, uh, Lars von Trier. But anyway, the whole point of it is that Nicole Kidman is this character who happens upon a town of people. She's running away from some gangsters. Right. So she's like running away from this traumatic past and – in this, uh, the metaphor in this is that they, at one point, just start take ad- taking advantage of her. And the fact that they, she is relying on them to keep this secret, to not tell the authorities that she's there, that she's hiding there. So they, in turn, start using her uh, for their own whims. Like, they have her do gardening for them, like, you know, cultivating vegetables. They, mm-hmm. like, one of them rapes her, you know. Like, they just start using her to these... Uh, to their own advantages. And at one point, it's even symbolically uh, notified that in the way that they chain her to a a wheel that she has to like drag around with her just to remind her that this is what you are, uh, this is your cost for being here. And in essence, that is Midsummer. Her dragging around this uh, trauma that is going to eventually involve everybody around her uh, because in Dogville, at the end, the gangsters find out where she lives and they go and kill the whole town. They mm. massacre everybody. And in this one, it's like the same thing happens. Right. Like her whole party that she goes with gets massacred, gets killed. 
um, and she's complicit in it, you know? And so how do you rectify that, even though it's a very healing moment, but also very, like, you just killed uh, your boyfriend. Yeah, it's really ambiguous of how you should feel. Like, should you feel kind of bad that you're a part of this cult of people who murder? (laughs) But at the same time, their intentions for murdering are very much entrenched in tradition. So they don't do it from a place of... Um, like a malicious place they do it more as a traditional standpoint which doesn't isn't a justification but at the same time you know like i don't know they're just also nut jobs i guess so it's like I how mean, do you it, feel bad they're very much a cult yeah for sure. like they they operate within the dynamics of a cult uh and it almost makes you wonder too is like were they doing this for danny's sake too like did they or like did pele kind of mention to them that she needs she a rebirth. Coming, yeah. And that, it, because remember, he does tell her at the end that, like, you know, my parent, like, basically, you find out that his parents probably went through the same ritual. Like, he yeah. watched his parents die uh, and were they adopted like, him. the sacrifices, yeah. you know? And so it's just crazy to think that, like, maybe they were just doing this for her sake without her knowing, you know? And she yeah. just felt complicit to tag along. And here she is, reborn. Here she is now coming, uh, Dorothy, with staying in the in the fantasy land in Emerald City or whatever it's called. Well, Dorothy leaves. I know, but like that's what I'm saying. She yeah. doesn't leave. She ends up staying in mm, that true. realm. Yeah. Good so. movie, dude. Ari Aster. Shout out to him there for making go. a modern uh, masterpiece of horror, dude. I would give it three popcorns, uh, two candy cane boxes, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to give it three popcorns as well and uh, actually five uh, candy cane boxes. Oh, and two large sodas, too. Oh, yeah, definitely two large. <laughs> but, yeah, man, I'm stoked that this movie came out. I actually saw it twice in theaters, so it was that good. I saw Hereditary twice in theaters, too, and uh, they were well worth it. Those films are definitely films you need to experience in the definitely. theater. Because there's so much that you can miss. There's so much nuance to it. I mean, more so in Hereditary, I feel like he kind of had the nuance in there because it is the darker of the two, you know, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you're kind of meant to kind of search through the signs in this film. Whereas this one, the signs are before you, but you have this vignette of, like, characters who are kind of blurring the lines of, like, what's going to happen to their fate. And uh, And that's what's weird because they came to Ari Aster to do a sort of Wicker Man-esque horror film. Right. And at the time he was going through a breakup, he didn't want to do the Wicker Man. So then they thought, why don't you just join so the two? They, you know? they, so, they approached him to do an actual iteration of, of the Wicker Man? Or like a... A, a folklore like horror a, movie? Kind yeah, of. or inspired. Right, know? right. Because it very like much is... folk yeah. horror in general. Yeah. Um, and because he was going through this breakup, he wanted to try and incorporate both of them because he didn't want to do exactly that. And that's why you can kind of tell, like... Some of it doesn't mix because it's part breakup film, part folklore. Right. How do you meld the two? But then, again, the whole ritual is, like you said, for Danny to kind of, like, be reborn and stuff. So, yeah. in essence, that is the breakup. That's, like, the final moment of the breakup is, yeah. like, becoming a new, singular, uh, identifiable person. There you have it, dude. Midsommar. Oh, yeah. There you go. There you go. There you go, listeners. Go watch it. Go watch all of his films in order, too. Because I think that it, you kind of get a feel for who he yes. is as a director if you start from, what is it? Uh, the something strange. Something strange about, about the, the Johnsons. Johnsons. And jump to Hereditary. 
Yeah, and then they're, they're good companion pieces. The three of them. They really are. Yeah, as short as the the Johnsons is, it's still very much. I mean, like you said, his all his films are centered around repression of trauma and it ultimately mm-hmm. spewing out at the end through a result of either death or even heavier trauma, which yeah. is inescapable uh, to these families. Mm-hmm. The really, unspeakable. The yeah. unspeakable becomes so horrific that you, uh, in turn, manifested into reality. Yeah. Like, I love that. Shout out to him, man. I hope he does more. I've heard he doesn't want to do horror anymore. I've heard he wants to work on plays. Um, yeah, so we'll I see where he, he goes. Wants, his next film he wants to do is like a comedy or something. I mean, that guy, he's Which such would a... Which be interesting. He's such a soft-spoken dude, but it's just a very... He has a lot of darkness in him. You know, I didn't realize, but when I was watching Strange Thing about the Johnsons again, his his voice is the yeah, yeah, his his voice <laughs> on is the, the tape on the tape. Yeah, you have <laughs> the power really of getting funny. out of the thing. He has like a you are in bad. the prison of negativity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that it's playing after like that shit goes down, and you just hear his voice in the background because the tape's still playing. You know, like uh, that's a great film for people who haven't seen it. I don't want to spoil any of that. Midsummer, whatever, no, it's been out yeah. for like a month now. So if you haven't seen Hereditary it, too. Hereditary's been out for a this year. one is like it's so short you don't want to spoil it. You know? Yeah, I know because you get it right down from the beginning of what. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> it's so wild. Such a crazy concept. I wonder how he thought of that. To total. I mean, but again, it 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 it's it's right up his alley, right? Right. Yeah. Like that's exactly what he has. What he does is just like family trauma to the unspeakable fathom that it becomes horrific and just subverting these like traditional tropes of family being united and relationships being united and that just perverting them and making them the source of your agony perverting the family dynamic is definitely what it is it's just like twisting it twisting the logic of what a family is um and i love i love Every part of that. Every part of it. I will say, though, um, my favorite of the three is uh, definitely Hereditary. Because I rewatched that, and goddamn, man. Just this, the, music, so the music in that film is just totally. so, you know what so I, haunting and just, like, in your face. Damn, that's one thing I wanted to mention, too, real quick. The music was very good for both. I think, I don't know if it was done by the same composer. But yeah, I was wondering that, too. I didn't look. They're very similar. And uh, he even uses the very similar, like, horns that that... Mm-hmm. Like, da, 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 like, yeah, the, yeah. it's like yeah, almost like saying. steps or something. Yeah. Uh, and also this like underlying sort of reverberation that is throughout the entire film. Because yeah. every time I watch Hereditary, I always hear this sort of like, like in the background, it's so low, but you can tell it's there and it's, it's weird. Like, I don't. I don't know. It just it just distorts your head, like listening to it. Yeah, it makes you wonder, like if you're hallucinating that sound, or is it something that's encroaching upon you? Almost like a a washing machine behind like a a door. (laughs) Like you can't really hear (laughs) it. Yeah, I can tell the the vibrations from it. Yeah, so good. Yeah, and very just like subtle. Oh man, Hereditary is all about subtlety. Mm-hmm. Midsummer—it's in your face, of course, because of the blaring sunlight. It has to be in your face, you know. And I think a really good contrast between that day and not uh, totally night and day sort of uh, horror. And I mean, yeah, they need to put like a box set of those films together or something. That'd oh be yeah, great. Criterion Collection. Yeah, let's do it. Well, I hope he makes more horror because I don't. The seas for a horror films is looking a little bleak in the next coming months. 
I mean, Although he, Lighthouse should be coming out soon, or the trailer for it, which the is Lighthouse? Robert Eggers. Did that not come out already yet? It a select was screened kind of thing, at a con film festival. Mm, yeah, I want to see that. Is that, but that's not a direct light. I mean, that's not a direct horror film, more as it is. It's like, supposed to be a, a is horror, it? Oh, like okay. a drama horror or something. Oh, okay. Well, I'm looking forward or to psychological. that. Psychological. Definitely want to see that. I haven't seen a lot out of uh, what's his name. Uh, Robert Eggers, other than The Witch, man. I mean, well, this will be his sophomore film too, right? So, like, yeah. Ari Aster and Robert Eggers are definitely really good. I think the best contemporaries to go, uh, to go together, like The Witch and I mean, that's, uh, Hereditary, share those similar family dynamics and totally uh, unspoken trauma, unspoken grief that eventually leads to Fuck. decimation. And also being embroiled in this like sort of ritual that ends up killing the entire family. That's so. another one, man. That, that's another one of my all-time favorite Same, horror movies. Yeah. That I can always, I always just fall. Back. It's like a, I can have that movie on in the background still, and just like still enjoy. Oh it. yeah, so it's so good. I want him to do the Nosferatu project, man. I thought we were supposed to do that. That's what I thought. The well, I thought the lighthouse was going to be that or something, but mm. I don't know. Yeah, he should do just a direct remake of that. But um, oh yeah. That'd be sick as fuck. Yeah, so praise All be right. to uh, Ari and uh, Robert out here killing the game. Uh, shout out to that film Loose, which I want to see. It just, uh, it just came oh, out. Yeah, totally. So that's another one to look out for if you are in the thirst for some horror. And then you got It too, the Losers Club, back together. Eh, but, uh, <laughs> Good. The Losers Club. What a fucking lame. Uh, even the music, the... The little like laugh that they put in in the in the trailers all the time, you yeah. know, to let you know it's him for it. Like, yeah. Oh God. <sighs> yeah, we'll see. I mean, I like the first it, but I'm not. It's not going to hold up the way Ari and Robert Eggers' films are going into. So, shout out to them. Thank you for listening for this episode and this entire synopsis of mm-hmm. it's a more. We got through that pretty well for a two and a half hour long film. We. Uh, chalked it up to an hour and 30 we out here hell yeah <laughs> we out here enjoy the rest of your midsummer because it fittingly is midsummer right now and it is hot as hell and you need to go to hogard in southern california aka disneyland that was my that's my hogard dude i had a rebirth there that's why Take i brought some it. shrooms at uh disneyland i could not do that dude i'm sorry I don't want to sit in a line and wait and then get him a ride. If it was, yeah, if I had the theme totally. park to myself, I would be 100% down for that. <laughs> but alas, I'm not fucking rich and don't have that kind of bread. Yeah, I'm getting paid Goofy paper. coming up to you. Gorsh, you look darn fucking tootin'. <laughs> Thanks, Goofy. I've been reading so much shit about the shit that they have to go through. Those fucking uh, act, those people that just everybody actually that works at Disneyland. They get treated like shit, they really, dude. They really have to, like, they're, like, like they're compelled to want to work overtime. Oh, hi, little kitty. We got a kitty on the stream. But, uh, yeah, Disneyland's a dark place, but they... That's an episode for another day, for dude, sure. Dude, I swear to God, they pump shit in the air there to fucking make me want to go back. Like, I don't know what it... I felt this form of glee, and I was really blissful there. I don't know what the fuck happened, but... I was talking to my friend about it, and I was like, as soon as I got in, I was like, oh, yeah, let's do it. And then uh, by the end of it, it fucking felt like I was on a come down of drugs because I was just so irritable. And I was like, man, fuck this place now. Like, felt it like it I was exhausts a full come down. you. It I really does. But it's the music, the fucking colors. You exhaust so me, dude. Blurry. You're exhausting me right now. 
Well, I'm exhausted, so can yeah. Do you want to wrap it up? You wrap it up. I never wrap it up, baby. <laughs> but I'll wrap this podcast up. Okay, <laughs> listeners, thank you for listening to the Midsummer episode. We took a little bit of a break, sees. It's been a stressful couple of weeks, but we're still out here and we're still delivering you that content. And uh, check back in next week because we got more stuff. Perhaps our next, our other old host might join us again. Maybe the lawsuit has been dropped potentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're in the final proceedings of it. It's it's, it's messy, but we've kind of found a good a good resolve for all parties involved. So um, he's still a dick. Um, he's still the tifu of the crew. So uh, shout out to him. Not really. And shout out to you listeners for listening to us on a weekly basis and everybody who enjoyed the last conspiracy episode got a lot of feedback on that we'll have more of that in store and more episodes like this so thank you for listening like and subscribe and share this shit with all your homies and join a cult <laughs> i'm a demon and i'm meow. a demon and i like the little kitty meows Send it was wonderful it is wonderful as hell give make odin give a little Midsummer send off is wonderful give a little kitty send off yeah do it again Okay. Okay. Bye, listeners. That was adorable. Peace.